This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Man, how's everybody doing in the house of God today? Come on, did anybody come to get a miracle today? About five of you. Did anybody come to hear what God has to say? Amen. Go ahead, stand to your feet, because I believe Jesus is just worthy of all of our praise and, and honor. So let's just give him a shout of praise. Come on, just bless his name one more time. Father, we bless you, we praise you, we thank you for all you have in store for us today. Now just hold your hands out like this. Father, we thank you for the word that you're about to speak. We thank you for the miracle that you're about to bring down. We thank you for the way that you're about to make for somebody who's been bumping up against a hard place and a hard time and a, and a rough season. We declare today that you're sending help on the way, Lord God. We declare today that deliverance is about to happen, that peace of mind is about to be restored. We thank you, Lord God, that those that walked in here today, Lord God, that they're going to experience experience something that they've never experienced before. Not because I'm here, not because people are here, but because you are here, God. And we thank you that you're a God that when you show up, you don't show up just to hang out. You show up to show out, Lord God. So right now, we receive in advance everything you have in store for us, Lord God. We thank you for the next several minutes that we'll be focused in listening to your voice. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Not just any word, but that word. Speak that word that will change some things in our lives. Speak that word that will bring restoration. Spring, speak that word that we've been longing to hear. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Go ahead, bless him one more time before you're seated in the house of God today. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. It's an honor and just a pleasure and a joy to be here today with uh, Pastor Bob and, and, and his amazing wife, Ellen. And it's been so long. It's been a while. And so it's just been so great to reconnect with them. Give your pastors one more hand clap because they're awesome, awesome people. Met him years ago when we did our pastor's network and just connected then. And uh, over a period of time, we, we, we shifted some of our attention and started doing some other things. But it's, I was so excited uh, when they reached out and just to get that reconnection. So it is an honor, honor to be here. And uh, I came down here and I almost feel like I'm at home and there's family. And so uh, last night I stayed with, with an amazing couple, uh, Harold and Maureen. And Carolyn, grandma, I just call her grandma, is that okay? And so, uh, man, I just felt like I was at home, had some wonderful conversation. And, and what they don't know is I called home today. I said, I said hey, they're, they're about to, to do a little traveling. We got a whole house to ourselves. I told Heather, bring the kids up and we'll just hang out here for a while. We keep everything good for them when they get back. But uh, I told them when they're natural, they better come see us. So they're just wonderful. Thank you guys so much for, I tell you, you know, it, I never take that for granted when you go somewhere and somebody makes you feel like family. 
So that lets me know I'm in the right place at the right time with the right God to see the right miracles happen. Thank you once again for allowing me to be a part of your, your family, not just in your house, but your family. They treated me like family. And then I have some, some family here from Nashville, call them family, some former Oasis members that moved uh, here to this area, and I found out they were in the area, so I told them to, to come visit with me, and uh, so it's good to reconnect with them. But stand up, Timmy and Bimpy, and I don't know if that's your mom there. They're in the area. Thank you, guys. Former Nashvillians, they live here in town, so it's just a pleasure. I feel like I'm at home. Uh, but real quickly, guys, just uh, me and my wife, we, we've been married uh, eight years this past February, just have an amazing uh, marriage and uh, our relationship. And I don't know if they have a picture of my wife. I always like to, to show people my family. If they do, they can put it up. She's the, she's the blonde woman that... Uh, I married way up. There she is right there. That's my wife. Her name is Heather. And uh, when me and my wife, I always like to tell people a little bit about my family. Is that okay with y'all? So when we met, as Pastor Bob was saying, it's, it's like we met. And when, when we kind of figured out that we had eyes for one another, uh, we really, we went to our pastors because in the past when we had relationships, we just crashed and burned and, and we did things that we never should have done and we just had some relationship failures. And so when we figured out that maybe God was drawing us together, we wanted to date God's way. Amen. I believe that is so important in the church to really date God's way because everything hinges on relationships. Amen. And so we, we went on this. I was a pastor, uh, an associate pastor in the church. So we dated kind of incognito behind the scenes. Nobody really knew we were dating except the pastors and our lead team. And so our dating was a little bit different, but we learned a lot about each other. And we just went on a different path of dating. And so after we got married, a lot of our friends were coming up to us and they were like, wow, man, you guys look so happy. And how, how did that happen? How, tell us about your, 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 your dating period of time. And so we began to teach classes on that. And before long, uh, we just decided to write a book. It's called Dating in Black and White. And this, this book is going around the world, helping uh, singles, divorce, those that are thinking about dating. It's even helping those that, that have been married for a couple of years and they skipped out on that whole dating process and they really don't know it. I mean, no, it's nothing worse than waking up, being married, and you don't know the person next to you. That's just not a good scenario. And so a lot of, we found out a lot of married couples were getting this book because we talk about those issues like communication. Amen. That can make or break a relationship. And so, uh, once again, uh, we, we, we just put all this in a book. So it's Dating in Black and White. You can go back there and check that out. Uh, then for marriages, we, talk, uh, we spend an hour on our stage with all of our married people talking about uh, how to be successful in a married relationship. And so that's back there as well. Uh, then my brand new book called Next. Everybody say Next. That is out there. It's called Next, What to Do When You Know There's Something More. One of the, the areas that, that God has just uh, kept me in, and this is my lane, and this is what God has anointed me to do. I believe God gives everybody a gift and an anointing, and this is my gifting to help people get from where they are to where they want to be. And so as I begin to, to, to think about writing this book and I begin to go through some certain scriptures, and Jeremiah 29, 11 is my favorite scripture where God says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And when I was writing this book, God said, Adonis, I want you to keep this book mainstream because I got to reach people in the church and people outside of the church. And I said, God, I, I understand that. I said, but, but I really want to see your people free. He said, I want to see my people free too, but they can't just, it's not enough to believe me for good things. They've got to actually do the work to produce the promise. 
And so this book is filled with some action things that will cause you not to sit and wait on God. I mean, a lot of times we're waiting on God to do everything. And that everything will pass us by. But this book is something that will, that will help you take responsibility and ownership of the dream. But it's going to help you do those practical things. It's going to help you with your mindset. It's going to help you get over your fears and actually do, to, do the thing and take the next step that you want to do to see the dream. And so it's just been going around the world. Great success with it. So that's back there. The, the leadership team almost bought me out. So there's like a limited supply back there. And so get back there as fast as you can after we dismiss. I think I got about six left back there. And so, but I, I know Pastor Bob. I know where he lives, and I can send more as well. So, so you can see me after service on that. And so, I want to talk a little bit about today. Here's today's message. It's called, What Will You Do Next? Look at your neighbor and say, What Will You Do Next? Come on, say it like you mean it. What will you do next? You know, every now and then I've learned that we've, we find ourselves in some situations where We've got faith in God, but we've hit a very hard place. Anybody ever been there? And you felt like you weren't getting traction, and you felt like your entire belief system was being shaken. You know, that's the moment not to bail out, but to step up and step out and watch God show out in those moments. And I know sometimes that's easier said than done. I want to be real with you guys today because I believe when you're real, God can really show up. And so every now and then you find yourself in those seasons where you're asking yourself, what am I going to do next with this situation? What am I going to do next with this hard place? Several years ago, before we had children, after me and my wife uh, were married, and we knew this even before we got married, we talked about it. But the doctors told my wife uh, many, many years ago that she'd probably never have children. So we knew that going into the marriage, and we said, well, we will cross that bridge when we get there. We'll believe our God is bigger than the doctor's report. Come on, come on. We, we still believe our God is able. And so uh, we got married. A year later, we started trying to have kids, and we've got two wonderful kids. I think they've got uh, the picture of them. That is Grayson on the left, and that is Carrington on the right. Right now, they are five and three this summer. They will be six and four. You can keep that picture up there. But we, we started trying to have children, and, and, and nothing was happening, so we went to a fertility doctor. And long story short, fast forward, uh, we had Grayson, and we were excited about that. We felt like we got past the, the, the bad report, and we stepped into God's good report. And so uh, a couple years after that, we started trying to have another child. We knew we wanted one more child, and we started trying to have Carrington. And, and we, we got pregnant, but then we had a miscarriage. And, and it's almost like when you have a dream. How many ever tried to step out and fulfill something, and it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out? You see, that's not the time to give up, but that's the time to keep pressing through. And so we had a miscarriage, and I love it because in, the, in that miscarriage, we didn't, we didn't tell a lot of people. It's not that we were ashamed and embarrassed is because, I'm going to be honest, sometimes when you tell church folks some stuff, we can say some weird things. Come on. Don't look at me all sanctified. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Church folk, we, we, we can be well-meaning, but we can be so off with, with our encouragement to people. And so I didn't want to go through this season because church folk, we can, we can say things like, well, maybe the Lord didn't want you to have that. Or, or here's the one that really gets me, and God gave me an answer for that. When people step up in your face and they say, well, you know, you maybe check, check your lifestyle because maybe you opened up a door to the enemy. You know, I thought about that for a while, and I said, you know what, you're right. 
I opened up a door to the enemy when I told you what was going on in my life. I opened up a big door. So I'm about to shut that door right now. Bye, bye, bye. Come on, that's how you deal with foolish people right there. Just go ahead and close the door. So we only, come on, y'all tracking with me, you know, yeah. So we only told leadership, few people, and they, because we needed people of faith. See, when you're going through something, you don't need some wishy-washy people. You don't need some people that are, that are not living victorious. You need some people that know their God and that can cover you in prayer and that will speak encouraging words to you. And so that's what we had. And, and, and so long story short, we went back to the fertility doctor and uh, we, we, they gave us some things to do. And they, gave, uh, they said, I need you to come back in and test yourself after this long period of time. So me and my wife, we, were, we went to the store. We, we bought stock uh, in those pregnancy tests. We had so many, I, I could have went outside and just started to set up a tent and start selling them. I mean, we, and so we, we tested four times when the time the doctor told us to test, we tested four times and every test came back negative. But my wife had not had her cycle, so we're thinking, maybe we're pregnant. And we're belie- How many of you ever been believing God in the, in, in the face where something is saying it's not going to happen, but you still have to believe anyway? And so there we were, four failed pregnancy tests, and, and we've got the, the blood work back from the doctor where they checked my wife, and they said, they said well, we're not seeing any signs, and, and the truth of it is, they said, they looked at her and said, Mrs. Lindsay, you haven't even ovulated. And they said, what we're going to do, we're going to give you these pills. This was, this was all in one day. They, they said, we're going to su- subscribe these pills. We need you to go down to the drugstore, take these pills. It'll flush out your system, and then we can start all over again and try again in three months. And so I never will forget, Pastor Bob, there I was, a man of faith, power, and victory. And sometimes I have some real conversations with God as we're driving to the drugstore, getting these pills. I'm saying, God, is this the best you have for me? I'm like, God, here I am. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I've prayed for people to get miracles, and, and I've given my life to this ministry, Lord. And, and I, 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 be, I tried to guilt God. I said, so you want me to stand on the platform and tell people that you failed me? Because I will. I mean, you will try. Come on, when you're desperate... You will talk to God any kind of way. I said, God, here I am looking at my wife. We're driving, you know, from the pharmacy to the house, and tears are streaming down her eyes. And I'm like, God, this is, you've got to do something better than what, what I see right now. I never will forget, I walked into the house thinking, what are we going to do next? Walked into the house, had those pills in my hand, and I handed them to my wife. And I sat on the edge of the bed, I put my, my head in my hands, and I just began to think about plan B and plan C. My wife walked into the bathroom for a few seconds. I heard those pills shaking. And a few seconds later, she opened back up the bathroom door. And I never will forget this as long as I live. She said, I know we've taken four pregnancy tests, and they've all failed. She said, I know the doctor said I haven't ovulated She said, but I feel, mm. she said, I feel like I need to check one more time. Oh, oh, come on, come on. She said, I feel. There she had in her hand the power to flush away what God had already put there. 
She said, I feel like I need to check one more time. And, and when she said that, something jumped on the inside of me. And, and, and when faith was trying to leave me, all of a sudden, because of the words of my wife, I need to try one more time. And I'm here to tell you today that some of you need to try. When she said that, I jumped back up, and we got back in there, and we pulled one more test from the stock that we had, and, and we took that test, and then we held it up. And I said, God, I need to see two pink lines instead of one. And a few seconds later, guess what? Two pink lines showed up. I'm telling you, listen, listen, it all determines what you do next. See, our little girl was already there. I don't believe she magically appeared. She was there in the midst of four failed pregnancy tests. She was there when the doctor said you haven't even ovulated. She was there when we went and picked up the pills from the pharmacy. Your miracle is already there. The thing you believe in God for is already there. It all depends on what you do next. One more time. Somebody came here today, you're about to get a one more time miracle. Listen, I'm going to talk a little bit about faith. Is that okay? I'm watching my time. I got a few more minutes here, but I believe God can do something. Listen, faith requires you to move before anything happens. God is always waiting on you and I to see if we truly believe that we can do what he said we can do. And if God did everything for us in advance, it wouldn't take faith to get it. See, the Bible says we walk by faith, meaning we've got to walk even when nothing is happening. We've got to do even when nothing is happening. We've got to, we've got to have some action even when nothing is going on. Come on, sometimes you got to, I tell people, you got to not fake it, but you got to faith it. You got to faith it till you make it. You got to faith it till it happens. You got to hold your head up high and put a smile on your face and say, I know my God is on the way. Faith requires you to move before anything happens. The Bible says David ran to meet the giant. I mean, no, he didn't just sit around waiting. And I think so many times as God's people, we can talk ourselves out of the blessing and the miracle that God has for us. Can you imagine David? The Bible says David showed up on the scene, and, and the one thing he heard was all that was going to happen for the man that killed this giant. And I love that because he didn't pick up the cell phone and call 1-800-PRAYER-LINE. He didn't call 20 people to consult with that were not on the scene. How many know there's a lot of experts that are not on the scene? They can tell you what to do, but they're not doing it themselves. They can tell you how to live victoriously, but they're not living victoriously themselves. You got to watch out who you connect with. So David, in the midst of that, he heard what would happen, and he didn't, he didn't camp out. He didn't sit around. The Bible says when he stood before the giant, he ran out. To meet the giant. What did he do? He took a step of faith. There was action behind that. There was faith behind that. Yes, he was good at a slingshot, but you know what? When you show up on the scene and the quicker you get to the battle, that's the quicker you bring God to the battle. You got to see that. I believe when David showed up and he began to, 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 to fling that, that stone, I'm just convinced. I don't care what direction. The, the stone could have went straight up in the air. I believe God was on the scene and God would have grabbed an angel to grab that stone and put it exactly where he needed it to be, all because David had some action. And we got to get to a place where we're not just speaking what God's going to do. We better start partnering with God. Come on. Come on, we got to partner with God. Come on. If you believe in God for a miracle, come on. God has given you the power to make it happen. 
I love it. When he came to Joshua, the Bible says Joshua had to walk around his entire army. They had to march around the city seven days before one brick fell. And can you imagine that as God's people? And God is, sometimes God calls you to do something that doesn't make sense. Anybody ever been there? And you're trying to figure it out. And sometimes we can read that story and we, we can forget that here, here Joshua has his army. These guys are ready for battle, ready for war. And Joshua has to convince them, guys, we're going to suit up for battle, but we're just going to walk around for about seven days. Can you imagine the, the grumbling that went on? And God is such a good God. He said, Joshua, I know they're going to rumble, so tell them to shut up for seven days. And why would God tell people to shut up? Because sometimes we, we, we mess up the plan of God. Sometimes we can, we can do some things, we can speak some things that totally delay the blessing that God has in store for us. And I've come to find out that a lot of times people are waiting on God, but all the while God has been waiting on you to step into alignment of what he has in store for you. I believe God's called us to be miracle workers. And God wants to not just test your ability, he wants to put you in a place to where he can show up. And when God really gets ready to perform the miracle in your life, listen, it's, it's not going to be anything you can take credit for. People around you, they're not going to look at you and say, well, I, kn I knew they had it in them all along. No, they're going to look at you and say, to God be the glory. Come on. To God. I know nobody could have did that in their lives but God. Y'all still with me? How many of you give me a few more minutes? Raise your hand if you give me five more minutes, 5, 10, 15, 20. We're going to be here all day long. I told you I feel like family. But if you got your Bibles, go with me real quick to a very familiar passage of Scripture. In the book of Exodus chapter 14, we catch up with, with Moses. And let me set the scene. We're going to camp out here for a while. But let me set the scene of, of what is going on. This is this is Moses where he's leading the people of God out. They've been in bondage and enslaved for years. And they've heard that a deliverer was coming and, 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 and waiting on God to show up. And finally God sends his deliverer and he tells them, guys, we're about to, we're about to bust out of here. God's about to free us. And, and there's, a, there's a happy time that is going on. How I many know in the church arena when everything is going good, it's real easy to get people behind you? It's real easy to get everybody happy, and so uh, they're getting ready, and, and God releases them, and they're marching out, and it's an exciting day. And just like you and I, when we hear the dream from God or, or when we first start dreaming about something or living the life that God has in store for us, I mean, no, it's exciting. And it's so exciting that we never, we never look in the future and expect any roadblocks to stop us. But if if you've lived life like I've lived life, you know everything doesn't just work out the way you thought it was going to. And every now and then you're going to hit a place where it's going to appear to you that it's impossible. And that the dream that you thought you were about to live, you're going to feel like it's slipping out of your hands. And Moses is in that situation where he's leading the people out and all of a sudden they come up against the greatest obstacle that they've ever seen. The obstacle that is keeping them from the promise and it's called the Red Sea. And in the midst of that, Pharaoh finds out where they are. So you've got the enemy charging them, the obstacle in front of them. Y'all with me? And the promise right beyond the obstacle. 
And God began to speak to me about that situation. And so I've never, I've read this story many, many times, but, but he picked out something a little bit different. And I want to I I share that with you today, but we'll jump into it. Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, now we've all heard this. He says, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. How many know that sounds good? Stand still, don't be afraid, and see what God is about to do. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now, that's an exciting statement. We've all seen it. We've seen Charlton Heston himself give that speech, one of the Ten Commandments. I mean, you've seen that. So that's exciting, and he's telling the people, hey, I know the enemy's coming, but I need you guys to have faith in God. God is about to show up. But then the very next verse, and this is where I want to camp out, the verse between verse 14 and 15, that, that space, because sometimes in the Bible we read things, and we think it was like a five-minute waiting period. No. But between verse 14 and 15, Moses gives his speech, but then he turns around in verse 15 and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Let me step, let me just explain that. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, Moses just gave this supercharge of a speech in verse 14. But in verse 15, God says, Moses, why are you crying to me? Which really suggests to me that after that speech, Moses got along with God and he had a breakdown moment. See, I know, I, I know sometimes we can get too too religious and want to put on a face in front of people, but y'all know what I'm talking about, those breakdown midnight hour moments where you don't know how you're going to get out of the mess that you've gotten in. You don't know how a way is going to be made. And Moses finds himself in that situation crying out to God, God, I know I just, I did the leadership thing. And I put on the faith face and I, I, I charged the people, but God, I'm broken on the inside. As a leader, I feel like a failure because I, I convinced a million people to follow me. And God, now we're in a bind and I don't see a way out. You know, that's real talk right there. And I believe, listen, if you're going to ever get somewhere with God, you got to be real. Come on. You know, at, at, at church, I tease some of our, our, our staff and leadership. I said, guys, I, I said, being in the church, I said, we all know how to put on the faith face. Come on, we can be arguing all the way to church and get out the car. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Good to be here. Oh, it's so good to see y'all today. The Lord is good. We've all been there. I heard T.D. Jakes say one time, I didn't say this, T.D. Jakes said it, but I always use it. He said, if Hollywood ever ran short on actors, he said, they could come to the church. And, and if we want God to show up and move in our lives, we got to quit acting and quit caring about what people think about us. And we got to have some real moments with God. It's okay to step into your humanity when you're talking to God. And that's what Moses did. As a great leader, he stepped away and he had a breakdown moment and he's crying to God and moaning and groaning and complaining. But God didn't leave him there. And God's not going to leave you in your pity party. Come on. God is more concerned about you getting to where you need to be than you staying in your pity party. And the, the very next thing out of God's mouth is, why are you crying to me? And here's the deal. 
there's nothing about God's plan that has changed. See, your circumstances change. Seasons change. But we got to hold on to this one fact. When God said something, he means it. When God promised you something, he means it. He's not going to change his mind because of a Red Sea situation in your life. Come on. He's not going to, come on, nothing's going to throw him off. So he says, why are you crying to me? Then he goes on to say, tell the children of Israel to go forward. What is he saying? I need, Moses, get up and quit crying. I need to see some action. I'm here to tell you today, listen, don't, don't, don't stay in the crying closet. You got to get up and God needs to see some action in your life. And then he tells Moses something that, that, that boggled his mind. It boggles my mind. In verse 16, this is what he says, because so many times we think God is going to fix our situation. And in reality, God has empowered you to fix your situation. Come on. God has, God has equipped you. I tell people all the time, quit waiting on God to do the thing that he's already empowered you to do on your own. Listen to what God tells Moses. This is so awesome. He says, Moses, God didn't, he didn't come down and say, Moses, I'm going to fix everything for you. I'm going to make it. We would love for God to do that. I know I would. But God doesn't operate like that. In verse 16, these are the instructions he gives Moses. Remember, the enemy's behind them. The obstacle is in front of them, and the promise is just beyond the obstacle. He says, Moses, but lift up your rod. Everybody say, your rod. He says, lift up your rod and stretch out your hand. Because God already knows the situation. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. God says, Moses, I'm about to cause you to do something that's impossible. You lift up your rod and you stretch out your hand, and you divide the sea. Now, now you can read that and think nothing of it, but let me know if you were standing there in Moses' sandals, and God said, I see the Red Sea, but I want you to divide it. I mean, your mind can't work that quick, come on, to try to figure out a way how to divide the sea. But that's all God says. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand, and you divide the the sea, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. That was the command that God gave Moses. What does he do? He's putting the responsibility back on him. And I said this earlier, but every now and then God will put you in a situation where he's going to tell you to do something that's beyond your human ability. What is he doing? He's trying to get all of your pride out of the equation because you're not going to be able to take credit for the miracle. It's not your education or your personality. Come on. It's not what you got in your bank account, but it has everything to do with you believing God for the impossible. But he said, Moses, I want you to perform a miracle. In layman's terms, that's what he's telling you. You need to perform a miracle. I'm going to give you the instructions, but you perform the miracle. You lift up your rod. What's he saying? Start using what I've already given you. You lift up your rod, stretch out your own hand, and you divide this sea so that the people can cross over on dry ground. And I think every now and then God will come along and he'll tell you to do something that doesn't make sense. That's beyond your human ability to see how you're going to respond. Can you imagine Moses? See, we think God gave him that command. And two minutes later, 
Moses performed it. No, how I many know he had, he had to get alone and he had to think about that for a while? Come on. He, he probably questioned himself. And a lot of times we size ourselves up with what God is calling us to do. And that's the biggest mistake because that keeps us stuck, keeps us dormant, keeps us in a place of not making any progress because we've talked ourselves out. Because we don't have the education. We, we live in the wrong side of the track. Or, come on. I don't have enough people that are for me. And, and, and we start looking at other people and we start thinking, well, that's why God can use them. Because, because they're smart. Or, or they got it all together. You have no idea what people are going through. We talk ourselves out of stepping out and seeing what God is going to do. But Moses is alone, and, and in the midst of that, finally he gets to a place. And I believe when we get to that place of knowing if we don't do anything, nothing's going to change. And Moses has reached that place, and I can almost imagine him hearing the horses and the chariots coming, hearing the grumbling of the people because he knows he's responsible for them. But he's got this word from God. Until the, finally the Bible says Moses in the midst of that. I, I believe he probably had to just think about it on a couple days. And finally he got out there and he convinced himself, I might as well just go ahead and trust God. And in the midst of that, the Bible says Moses stretched out his hand. Can you imagine that? I don't think it was as glorious as Charlton Heston just standing there. Done! You're hearing all these trumpets and things play. But I believe Moses struggled with his humanity. In the midst of that, he probably got his hand up about waist high, thinking everybody's going to think I'm crazy. Probably got it up a little bit higher. And all these thoughts begin to run through his mind. Moses, you're, 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 you're about to cause an entire race of people to be destroyed. And finally, he had to press through the fear. He had to press through what other people were thinking about him. He had to press through his own insecurities and his own inability. And finally, he said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to trust God. See, we sang about it earlier, stepping out on the waters, even when people say it can't be done. I mean, if he would have consulted with the crowd, they'd have probably stoned him and said, we chose the wrong leader. Let's go back to Pharaoh. But Moses did something that couldn't humanly be done. And he stuck his hand out over the Red Sea. And I love this. Listen to him. Listen to this. Listen, listen, God's setting you up to just see if you're going to believe you can do the impossible. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. I love this. I love this next statement. And the Lord caused. Come on. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. All that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. Listen here. See, God didn't cause anything until Moses acted. Moses stretched his hand out over the sea and the Lord caused. And the Lord caused. You, you want to get God to, to respond to you, you've got to do the first thing that he's told you to do. You've got to take that step of faith. You've got to take that next action. You've got to take that next step. Because as soon as Moses did it, and the Lord calls. God knew it was humanly impossible for Moses to divide the sea, but he wanted to see if he believed that he could. See, it's all with your belief system and your faith in God. And the Lord calls the strong east wind. I encourage people and tell people all the time, listen, it doesn't matter uh, uh, your, you, the, the degrees you have or the degrees you don't have. If you believe God has called you to get that job, listen, you got you to dress up for the part. 
Don't be coming to me and say, hey, Pastor, will you pray for me to get this job and you ain't filled out an application? You're waiting on God to do something. I tell our young men, listen, you've got, you've, you've got to dress for the part. You've got to speak for the part. You've got to have the confidence. And the moment you get up and you walk in that direction, and the Lord caused. And the Lord caused. Had a young man the other day. He wasn't even qualified for the job. And I said, well, let's, I said, do you believe God is calling you to it? He said, yeah, but there's so many people around me that have the qualifications and, and they've been there longer. I said, but do you believe God is calling you for that next position? He said, Pastor, I believe. I said, well, listen. I said, have you filled out the application? He said, no. I said, you need to go fill out the application. And when it comes time for them to start interviewing people, I said, you need to be the first one there knowing that that is your job. And I love that because he said he woke up the morning of the day of the interviews and he almost talked himself out of it. He said, but something just told me to step out and do the impossible. And I said, I believe the moment you left your house and the Lord caused. Because when he got to the job, listen, listen, the executive there was saying, you know, I don't know why we're about to do this. It, it goes against our entire policy. But for some reason, we just feel like you're the person that's about to have, that needs to have this job. And he had five other people that were more qualified. What happened? This young man took a step of faith and the Lord caused. And the Lord caused. I believe God will bring you a strong east wind into your situation, but he's waiting on you to take the next step of faith. And then he'll come on. He'll send the east wind. It'll be a, it'll be a wind that refreshes you, that restores you, that moves some things out of your way, that brings some new connections into your life, all because you stepped out and you believed that God was going to show up. Amen. Reminds me of a story of my grandmother, and I'm getting ready to close. If you were here last night in the leadership meeting, you know this is my fourth closing. See, I closed in advance, so I didn't have to waste a lot of time closing here in service. So this is my, my fourth closing. But it reminds me of a, of a story of my grandmother, and this is a, a, a faith-filled woman. She's living with Jesus right now, and I believe she's rearranging heaven because that's how close to God uh, that she was. But I remember as a little boy staying with her and, and just feeling the presence of God as a little boy. Everywhere she went, she's, she was always talking to God, always talking to Jesus. She'd walk the, her hallways at night just talking to Jesus. And I remember she would tell us stories about how, how God uh, showed up for her just at the right time. And, and she was one of those, those, those old women of faith that, that when you tried to tell her that that wasn't God speaking to her, you know, she wouldn't defriend you or unfriend you or whatever it is, but she would look at some of her friends and they would say, well, Miss Temple, I just don't believe God's going to do that in your life. That just doesn't even sound like, like it's impossible. And she would say, she said, honey, that's okay. We're not here to argue about what God said or what God didn't say. She said, and we've been friends for a long time. She goes, but I've been, I've been walking with him for far too long for me to take your word over his. That's what she would say. And that, that silenced that conversation right there. But she would tell us stories of how God would show up. And she, she raised five children on her own. Three boys, two women. One was my mom. And her husband passed away. My grandfather passed away at the age of 35 years of age. And she raised those, those five children on her own. But she was a woman of faith. I believe with all my heart that we would not even, I wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for the faith of my grandmother that prayed all of us into the kingdom. And she would tell us these stories because when she went through hard times, uh, she didn't have the, the, the prayer hotline and she didn't have books or seven steps to your breakthrough. All she had was the Bible. 
in Jesus. And she was telling us a story at one time that, that, that the bills were running high and she wasn't making enough money. And she hit a moment where she didn't have enough groceries, didn't have any groceries in the house uh, for the week. And she didn't know what she was going to do. And she said, I got alone with Jesus. And she said, he woke me up in the middle of the night and said, Miss Temple, this is what I want you to do. He said, in the morning, I want you to get up and go to your kitchen, grab the biggest pot you can from the cabinets, fill it up with water, put it on the stove, and start boiling it. And she said, I struggled with that because I felt like it, was, it, was, it wasn't going to produce anything. And she, she toiled with that all night. Sometimes we struggle with the word that God gives us. And she said, I toiled with it all night. And I believe in that God was waiting and watching to see what she was going to do next with the word that he had given her. She said, so woke up the next morning. She goes, I pressed through my negative thoughts and, and I, I walked down the hallway and I walked into the kitchen. Trusting in Jesus. She said, I grabbed the biggest pot I could find. I filled it up with water. I stuck it on the stove and I lit the pilot. And she said, I walked around in my living room just thanking God. She said, I did. She said, I reminded him, God, I've done what you've told me to do. And now I'm expecting you. And she walked around just worshiping God, thanking God. She said, it wasn't but two minutes later. There's a knock at the door. She walked over to the door, opened up the door, and there was somebody that she knew that was standing there with two bags of groceries. And they said, Miss Temple, I don't know what was happening, but she, they said, we even left the grocery store. We got into the parking lot, and God told us to go back. And he put you on our heart, and he told us to go buy some groceries. So here I am. What happened? God was waiting and watching. And when she took that step, not just completing half his instructions, but I believe God was watching her from heaven with a host of angels saying she's walking down the hallway. She's going into the kitchen. She's grabbing a pot from the cupboards. She's putting water in it. And the moment I believe she set it on the stove and lit the pilot, and the Lord calls an east wind. Come on. Come on. Come on. And the Lord calls an east wind. To catch up with somebody at the grocery store. That's how good God is, and he's waiting. God has no problem and no inability to reach out and orchestrate your blessing. He just needs you to believe that it's going to happen. We serve a good God. We serve an amazing God who's ready, willing, and able. All he's waiting to see from you is what will you do next. You're going to stretch your hand out for the thing that he's promised you. Are you going to believe through your own inabilities? Listen, don't, don't, don't set your assurance on your skill set because the moment you do that, God's going to speak one of those crazy words. He's going to call you to do something that you're not even skilled to do. And then you're left in a situation like Moses. Moses, I need you to step out and do the impossible. We just need to know that God is always in the shadows watching, ready to cause an east wind to come and bring the miracle that he's promised us. Amen. This bless anybody today? Come on. Give Jesus a hand clap. Stand on your feet. Let me pray over you real quick, guys. And I, I just believe God is, is stirring the body of Christ. There's so much he's called all of us to do. I'm here to tell you today, 
that the next step you take could be the very thing that unleashes the east wind to come into your life. Maybe you're here today and it's, it's the east wind that's going to restore a relationship. It's the east wind that's going to restore peace of mind. It's the east wind that God will, will blow into your situation and your circumstances that will, that will cause you to have favor with people around you. It's the east wind that will blow you into positions that you were not qualified for. It's the east wind that can reverse a doctor's report. It's the east wind that can bring a family back together. It's the east wind that can heal your finances. It's the east wind that can cause you to hold your head up high and to have enough confidence to go after the dreams that you left dormant. It's the east wind that can revive us. It's the east wind that can cause us to have hope for another day. It's the east wind, and here's the deal. When God blows an east wind into your life and your circumstance, it's never just to bless you. When your dream is no bigger than you, it's not a God dream. But when God sends the east wind, it's not only to blow in your life, but all those around you, your family, your neighborhood, your community. Come on. It's the east wind that God is calling right now to change the lives of others around you. You're here today, and you say, Pastor, that's, that's me. That's, that's just me. I, I've reached a place where I feel like Moses, and I, I know there's more that God is, has in store for me, and I just need the boldness and the confidence to go out after it. If that's you, just lift a hand up high towards heaven. I'm just going to pray over you today. Hands are going up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing here today. We thank you for the word that's been delivered. And Father, right now, I pray over your people. Right now, oh God, those that this word has resonated with, Lord God, I just declare right now that old mindsets are being broken off. Right now, the spirit of I can't is being broken off right now. And we declare that your Holy Spirit is here to empower us right now to believe, to have enough courage to step out and trust you, Lord God. I declare, Lord God, that, that the past, past failures, past mistakes will no longer have any influence on whether or not we step out today or tomorrow, oh God. But we will press on and press through. And we will be a people to reach our destiny. We will be a people to change this world and those that are around us. We thank you, Lord God, as we just receive a fresh wave, a fresh east wind, that you're reviving us right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody just receive it, that fresh east wind that's reviving, that's restoring right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord God. Right now, I declare over this body that their next days will be their best days. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, if you love him, bless him. Oh, come on, you can bless him.
Oh, come on, Olive Branch. Come on, bless the Lord. Lord, we're going to ask the prayer partners to come down. You need prayer this morning for anything. Maybe there's someone here. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Your next step is to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to surrender to Him, to, to accept His leadership, to follow after Him. All he's looking for is a decision from you. And the east wind will blow and make you brand new on the inside. A new creation. That's his will for you. There's no one looking around. I want you in simple faith if, if that's you. Maybe you've made this decision before. But you know this morning you're not connected. And you need to reconnect to God. And you can get in, in this thing by the same prayer we're all going to pray. You can reconnect to God. So he wants you to be connected. No one looking around, lift your hand, say, that's me. That's me. I'm going to connect with the Lord today. I'm going to surrender my life. Or I'm going to reconnect. I found out today I wouldn't trust in God. But I'm ready to trust again. I'm ready to believe again. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Dear Father, I surrender to you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus Christ who took my sins, took my guilt and my shame. He took it all for me. I receive his lordship. Jesus, you're now the boss of my life. Lead and guide me. Direct me. And I'll walk with you. I'll follow you. Empower me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I will have the power to live for you. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen and amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866 866- Three eight three eight two seven seven. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.